Sign up to Rough Trade Club, the ultimate subscription for vinyl enthusiasts. Get money off online and in store and access to sold out events and discounts at Rough Trade East, Rough Trade West, Bristol, Liverpool and all over the UK. Join Rough Trade Club plus new music to receive an exclusive variant of their album of the month every month. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and when you use the voucher code club101pod, you'll get a third off your first three months. That's at roughtrade.com slash club and you can get a third off your first three months by using the voucher code club101pod. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify. Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. All right. Welcome to 101 Part-Time Jobs Podcast with me, Giles Bidder. It's where I speak to bands and artists about how they've got through it being in charge of their own art, self-managing, self-tour managing, self-producing, looking after their art, protecting it, making sure that they're doing what they want to do, going in the right direction, and when they're not, working it out. Everyone's got a different story. All the bands, all the artists that we're listening to at home, on the radio, live, they're all going through different experiences. And 101 Part-Time Jobs is the podcast where we hear about those experiences. Today's episode is with Mickey Blanco, the rapper, performance artist, poet, and activist from the States, who British GQ style called one of the most arresting left field artists to have emerged in the last decade. That's an accolade. Her EP, Postcards from Italia, is out tomorrow on the legendary Transgressive Records. 
brilliant record label in London that have put out so much great stuff over the years. Some favorites of mine include Johnny Flynn and Marika Hackman. And this EP is pretty up, as you can hear from the track beneath this. Holidays in the Sun is the song that's come out. The rest of it is going to be a surprise for tomorrow morning. So you can tune in at midnight tonight or tomorrow morning and give postcards from Italia a blast. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you, Jody, for setting this up. If you're a fan of this show, of this conversation, please consider leaving a review or a rating, whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify. And if you can subscribe to the show, that does absolute wonders for me in 101 part-time jobs. Yep, if you're able to leave a rating or a review and subscribing, subscribing's really the biggest one. If you're able to do that, thank you so much. Before we get into this chat, I'm here with Rebecca from Eka, multi-instrumentalist, plays piano, plays saxophone, also a brand ambassador for Ampolo, which is a great brand new free app for musicians. All right, Rebecca, could you tell us a little bit about Ampolo? Yeah, I've been using um, Ampolo, which is an app that came out earlier this year, actually. Smart with its AI demixing tools. So in under a minute, it will completely demix a track, which means I can take out the drums, the bass, vocals, whatever it is I want to be trying my own part over. Whereas before I would be Googling chords and then on YouTube Googling the song and kind of flicking between the tabs while setting up my instrument and trying to practice along, it all happens in the app. Then yeah, and then I'm posting it to a feed if I want that social aspect of it, but I don't have to. Like I've been spending many hours just practicing parts and thinking, wow, this is so easy, you know, play again and again to make sure I nail that bit. So it's a practice tool, you can film yourself, it's free, it's out there, Ampolo. You can download it today. All right, right now on 101 Part-Time Jobs, it's Mickey Blanco. 101 Part-Time Great. Well, good to hear you're having a, a relaxed time in in Denmark. Where what what's the what's the kind of place that you're? What's the place like? Is is it a good a good chill week so far? Is it a nice room? Is it a nice area? Yeah, it's like a. I mean, it's like it's it's on the it's it's on a peninsula on the mainland Aarhus. So it's it's the second largest city. I mean, I I don't know that much about it, but I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a botanical garden today. Like yeah, <laughs> like I like my I'm I don't know I'm I'm. I'm starting grad school uh, at the at the beginning of September, so Great. Um, I'm just kind of like winding down out, out of like holiday mode. <laughs> yeah. And what are you going to study at grad school? Um, I'm going to do a master of fine arts, so like mixed media painting, basically kind of things that I was I was more interested in at the very beginning of kind of my career before music. Uh, kind of like took over <laughs> right what kind of what kind of artwork is it painting is it and what what kind of paint is it watercolor what what it what is it uh yeah i mean i i mean i'm really interested in i mean i i mean when i was first in in, in art school you know i was really focused on like video and performance but um now i'm yeah i'm really interested in like painting and, and mixed media work uh but yeah but but mostly kind of like painting great Great, good to hear. That's going to be funny going back. We, we have that kind of thing, don't we? It's like a subconscious. It's so in our psyche. You know, we have this kind of quote unquote set time to be studying, right? And then you kind of get to the the outside world, like the working world. And you never really necessarily think you're going to go back to 
learn something, which is ridiculous. I'd like to think that I learn something new every week, every day. No, I, I mean, it's, how can I put this? It's like, I haven't been in uni and I haven't been in uni in 17 years. So I feel like I'm just going to get this like refresher, you know, on like a lot of like contemporary, like discourse around art. And I don't know, like, I think, I, I mean, I, I think that generationally I probably have, even though, even though, I mean, I'm like also a person that, that keeps up with just like contemporary commerce conversations around art and politics and culture. But um, I think that generationally you always kind of like have kind of like this marker of about, about you know, about a set of beliefs that your particular peer set kind of like inhabit. And so mm. I'm, I'm really interested to kind of know, I mean, I'll, I'll be in, you know, I'm doing an MFA. So it's not like a PhD program. I'll be, you know, I, I mean, I hopefully will do a PhD program afterwards, but with this MFA program, I'll be with a lot of people, you know, who are, you know, uh, later millennials and you know some gen z's yeah so it'll it'll be interesting uh it'll be interesting for me to kind of tap into like what their kind of like cultural you know concerns are and their concerns and discourse around art so mm. i think it's going to be good i mean you know i want to i want to keep up with the times <laughs> <laughs> 101 part-time jobs this podcast thing I've got going on, you know, it means different things for different people. And hearing you talk about that, it makes me think about how if it's, it's about freedom. You know, art, being an artist is, is about be, having a good amount of freedom. And in this kind of scenario, in, in the context here, it's about, about being able to try different things. I mean, we're so kind of brought up and you kind of touched on it then, like generationally, there are these habits and there are these touching points of what you should do, quote unquote. Right. And, you know, for lots of bands and lots of artists, it's about, you know, do the first album and then you're on this kind of treadmill of touring, writing, releasing, touring, writing, releasing. And I think something that that I'm most fascinated about is that that, that journey is different for everybody, you know, and you should everyone should feel like they have a good amount of freedom to mix it up and change it and, you know, go in some directions one year and another direction the next year or, 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 or that month or the next month. I mean, it makes me excited that like now is very much a time where like globalization really set into the, the generate, you know, the, this generation in the way that you can, you know, move to different countries and you can travel so much and you can have sort of 10 different careers in your lives, much different to the generations before us where, you know, my parents, friends, parents, people get jobs at aged 18 and stay there for the rest of their lives. We're yeah. in this time now where um, we can be so much more flexible. No, I, I mean, I 100%, 100% agree. I mean, trying to get, I mean, trying to get, you know, a lot of people that are my mother. I mean, my mother's a baby boomer. You know, she had me when she was like 32 and trying to get her to go on a vacation is, is, is exhausting. And it's not because she doesn't like to relax. It's because like the concept that, like, I mean, this is also a very, this is also a very American thing. The concept that like, you're not always working is just like, it's just like lost on her, <laughs> mm. Mm. you know? And, and it's, what does that mean to be an artist in, you know, the 21st century? I mean, a lot of, a lot of your fans, a lot of people listening to me, your music and people finding out about you is, you know, how kind of completely yourself you've been. And 
I think that's interesting in the world of kind of work and, you know, I'm talking discipline. I'm talking, you know, trying to balance making money at the beginning of being Mickey Blanco and the beginning of your artistic journey. I mean, looking back now, right, reflecting since, well, the first record came out in 2012, didn't it? So you've had a long time to kind of work that out and think about it. Right. I, I mean, okay, so, I mean, my career really takes place at this cultural, you know, acceleration point where, um, you know, when I was a new artist, there were so many things about politics and my identity, uh, the lyrical content of my music, um, the visual, you know, the, the visual identity also that I was portraying that felt very taboo, that felt very transgressive, um, and very progressive for that moment. Um, but what's interesting is that, that, you know, that moment in that moment, especially, you know, people within my, my own peer set, you know, I was 25, 26 years old. I mean, they were very, I, I think that one of the reasons why I was so successful is because they were my generation, my peer group were very ready for an artist like me. Mm. And, um, and my success, you know, my success coincided with, um, with, you know, with the proliferation of social media as, as we know it today. So it was, you know, it was through Tumblr, it was through, you know, Twitter, it was, it was through, um, you know, Facebook, uh, Facebook events, Instagram, where all of a sudden people all over the world could say, Hey, you know, we like this feminist punk band or we like this new grungy, you know, indie band, or, you know, we want this, you know, this, this queer rapper and like, Hey, Hey, music venues, Hey, booking agents, you know, let, let's make this show happen. And, mm. and so, you know, at this time there definitely was a slew of independent venues and it was this birth of, um, I don't, I don't want to say birth because that, that could be probably chronologically incorrect, but it was, it was, I would say this, I would say artists at different tiers, I think for the first time were really being booked globally and really being able to, um, to kind of like to, to flourish financially. I mean, I faced so much homophobia and transphobia in the United States. And I remember, you know, having a conversation with my manager and it was like, Hey, like, you know, people kept on when I first started out, they tried to break me so hard into the world of hip hop. And, you know, after a few months, I mean, I, I mean, I wasn't dumb. I was just like, this is, this is never going to happen. <laughs> mm. And I was like, you know, I don't, I, I mean, and also it's like, I don't want to do any more of these awkward gigs. I mean, I remember I did a, I did a song with A-Track and then after I did that song, A-Track invited me um, to Fool's Gold. Uh, they used to have this thing called Day Out. It was like a huge like music event they would do, almost like a mini festival. And before I even came on stage, the crowd just looked at me and almost started to boo based on how I was dressed. Um, wow. and so I remember telling, I remember telling my management, I was like, I don't, I don't need to do this. When I go to Europe, not only do I have fun, not only do I, not, you know, not, not only do I have fun, but like, but like people are enjoying what I'm doing. You know, I, people are more open-minded in all these different countries. And then I go to South America and it's the same thing. And then I go to South Africa 
and it's the same thing. And then, then I go to Asia and it's the same thing. And so I, I mean, I really built my career globally. That is, I mean, that is how, that, that is how people, you know, know who I am in a logistical sense. And knowing who your audience is, is such a huge part. You, you're chatting to people online. You can see where they're from. You can see what they're into. You can see, you know, I don't know, their style. And I imagine as an artist, when you start connecting with those fans, you really start to build your own world. And you don't have to speak to a specific type of genre that, or a kind of industry or different artists or a different fan group, a fan set that traditionally maybe you'd feel like, pressured or feel like you'd have to speak to them the kind of globalization of it like you said is has kind of opened up that opportunity to to find your people ultimately yeah i mean it, and 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 then you know in the beginning of my career uh my fans and i were the same age um you know as i've gotten older it's been interesting because my fans have gotten younger which people tell me is actually a good thing but but <laughs> in the beginning of my career um, you know, my, my fans, quotation marks, and I were all the same age. So, you know, every concert, every interaction, you know, felt like a big party. And then also, you know, this really coincided with me um, discovering my gender identity, exploring my gender, you know, this, this very big kind of like psychological, spiritual um, moment that was happening for me that also was happening for so many other people, um, other queer people. Um mm -hmm within my peer set and so i you know i remember having so many open dialogues on facebook you know so many conversations you know um on on twitter and it you know it, it for me it never felt like it never felt like these are my fans like it always felt like it always felt like i was an open dialogue with 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 my generation mm. I, I i think having something you know, on one hand, there's like a need to create, there's like a fire in your belly. I think, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I think like on the other hand, that there that is different to having something to say. And in our generation with this kind of, look, 50 years ago in our parents' generation, I'm not sure if my parents knew anyone who was gay. And as a teenager growing up, there has been this bloomage of people and it, and it comes along with all the dark side and the light side you know there's body dys dysmorphia but there's also kind of more more access to 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 party basically you know there's there's more light in there there's there's more joy all of those things come together this is very much like a this is a new thing for the world and lots of people obviously can't handle that because they don't like change um but but this is our generation this is our generation of acceptance this is our generation of progression um you know having 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 that to talk about in your lyrics and in your music. It's a very powerful thing. I've been someone that was a part of this kind of like cultural acceleration point where, um, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, well, okay. Before I say, unfortunately, it's, it's mm. kind of like, you know, when you, when people consider you a pioneer, it's because, you know, you, you know, you've helped usher in something, right. You've helped, you've helped pioneer something, you were the first of something, or if you weren't the first, you were definitely one of the ones that made a very huge impact on whatever the current situation is. And so, um, you know, 
for me, sometimes, even though I, I really uh, appreciate and I appreciate when people understand the contributions that, you know, I made in, in honestly choosing to be myself. Um, I think that it becomes also, you know, something very bittersweet because, you know, it's not, it's, you know, and I'm, and I'm talking, I'm talking just logistics. I'm not talking about talent. I'm not talking about creativity, but you know, it's not lost on me that someone like Frank Ocean and little Nas um, were both artists that the world perceived as heterosexual people when they, you know, first began making music. And then it was only after what one or two years did that they come out, you know, as as openly queer after kind of already gaining the acceptance and the love of most of their fan base. Mm. And for me and for me and the other artists, you know, in 2012 and 2013, who were always openly queer, who also had music at that time in those moments that was wildly popular you know we we didn't we didn't we didn't get to experience that you know we didn't get to experience what it was to have mainstream acceptance for literally just being straight um and and then kind of having this like after effect of like oh okay now i've you know now i've made a few hits and now this is who i am and you know and so um and then and then also kind of like that 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 wave of having people be like, oh, well, now we also also have sympathy for you, and you know, it's a so it's a it's a it's a it's it's a whole kind of like, it's a it's a whole certain kind of construct that we were more. I'm sorry, it's the truth. We were just more radical, and you know, we we didn't you know we didn't we didn't play by the rules, and then you know afterwards you know have a pity party, and then afterwards be like, okay, this is who we are. You know, it just, we, that just, that, that was never the paradigm for me and those people that were making music out of New York City in that moment, or even an artist like Big Frida, who's continued to have mainstream success today. Were you ever tempted to play the game and like, hide your identity? What were the pressures of that like when you were starting out? Um, no, because I, I come from this very like art freak, noise, music, anarchist, punk background. So like, I really stumbled into being a musician. I did not, I did not, when I started making music, it was, it, it was supposed to be a part of this like art project. And it wasn't until my first manager had come to like a few of my performances that he asked me to take a meeting with him. And he was like, I feel like you're making music and you don't realize you're making music. And I was like, and I was like, and I was like, oh, maybe I was like, yeah, this is just a part of like a project that I'm doing, you know, I'm like documenting it and like, you know, and then I'll go on to do like another performance project. So like, I like, I'm like, I didn't write my first song until I was 25. Um, as a kid, I was really into writing, creative writing. I was really into like fantasy games. I was really into theater. In high school, I was more into theater, and then I got, you know, more into, like, this kind of, like, anarchist, kind of, like, crust punk, like, movement. I was part of this, like, you know, this youth voice group, and, mm. and, uh, and got really into, like, feminism, and, 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 and kind of, like, zine culture, um, and also at that time, hardcore. Even though I was never really into hardcore music, I would go to all the shows, and, you know, I knew the bands, and, and that was also just kind of like, that's what most of my friends, some of my friends were into. So, um, so even, I mean, I, I, I mean, I listened to hip hop by default of like, you know, loving people like Missy Elliott and Eminem and, you know, um, 
but these were also very like you know zeitgeist artists. I mean, even though these artists actually, when you think about it, were quite progressive, they were also they were also mainstream artists at that time. Mm-hmm. So, kind of like I, I mean, I really stumbled into being a musician. Had it not been for my first manager. I truthfully really do not believe that I would have gotten there on my own as far as like being like, this is like, I'm a songwriter. I mean, it was, it was my first manager, Charlie, that even paired me with a producer. Um, I mean, one of the first producers that Charlie paired me with uh, was Arca when she was still a freshman at NYU and, um, and they had linked up. And so, you know, one of my first songs ever, you can find it on YouTube it's called Join My Militia. It's like produced by like a baby Arca um, in, in 2013 uh, or 2012. So yeah, like I, I mean, hiding who I was was never, was never a part of like the equation. And, 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 and I just, you know, I, I, I like I entered the industry in such an organic way um, that, I mean, I was having a conversation the other day where, when you look at kind of like, if you like, if like, so if you listen to my music, if you listen to my music from like 2012, 13, 14, and then you listen to, or even 15, whatever, and then you listen to, you know, the two albums that I released um, after the pandemic, which was, you know, Broken Hearts and Beauty Sleep in 2021, and then Stay Close to Music in 2022, um, you, you hear distinctly the the maturity and the progression of someone over okay a 10-year period and so since i literally did not start even making you know music until i was 25 when i when i when i listen to this kind of like progression and when i can kind of mark this chronology it, it really is like like really is like the birth of a musician. You know, it, it, it's not like I had started making music when I was like 15 or, or like I was some bedroom producer. So it's like, when I look at that 10 year period, it's like, it's like, yeah, like this, 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 this is what, you know, this, this organic process really is the reality of my life. And, 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 and yeah. <laughs> Growing up and being involved in those youth groups and the anarchist groups and going to go see and going to see hardcore bands. And I'm from, um, I'm from a, a similar kind of thing in London growing up with hardcore and, and scar and sound systems. I'd go into those places and yeah, it was definitely a social life, but it was also kind of a reason to exist without exaggerating too much, you know, cause I didn't want to go to the rubbish pubs and I didn't want to go to the NAF club nights that were happening, you know, with the, with the, you know, like the rest of the kind of, I guess my high school was going to, and not to just kind of, uh, blase say that everyone was doing that. But for me getting into punk and hardcore, it was like, okay, this is a world that I could exist in. Um, and I could see a, a future in. And I think one thing that's really interesting about that is that it gives you an alternative. You know, it means you don't have to go to, through the traditional route of, studying and then getting a job, which was very much what my parents did and what my siblings have done. And that was really exciting. You know, it was a subversive, interesting way to live. Right. And, and it, go ahead. <laughs> and well, I mean, was, was that something that did that give you that oomph, that impetus to think, okay, yeah, I can 
be an artist. There is another way to live because look, I still have that today. I'm 32, but I still have that thing where I'm like, oh, maybe I should kind of look at this kind of, you know, safer <laughs> route of, of life. Um, what was your kind of, what was your journey with that? What was your thinking with that? Okay. So it's funny that it's funny that you asked that question. Cause this is like, this is actually something, this is like something that I've like talked about, like in there, like in therapy. <laughs> so I, I, I knew I had this innate sense very, very, very early on that I was not going to have a career like other people. Um, and I didn't know what that was going to be. I didn't know if that was going to be like an actor in a theater troupe. I didn't know if, if that, like I said, like I, like I, like I was really, I mean, I was, I was obsessed with researching contemporary artists, um, uh, you know, people that most people my age would have no idea who they are. I mean, I was obsessed with like the art career of like Yoko Ono. And like, I, I remember when no one knew who like Yoyoi Kusama was and people like uh, artists like Kai Althoff and just, I, 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 I would read and read and read and read because, you know, I, I, I thought these people made cool work, but I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't understand at that time how artists, especially artists that weren't, you know, painters or sculptors, you know, sold work. I didn't understand how it works, but, um, yeah. but I would, I would read a lot of biographies, you know, it's so funny. I mean, so someone that I was really obsessed with at this time, you know, because I mean, they were like this indie movie star with someone like Vincent Gallo. Um, and, you know, I would read about like Vincent Gallo's biography and I would read about like Basquiat's biography. And, and I ran away from home actually to New York city when I was 16 years old. And, you know, that was its own, you know, its own, that was its own experience, you know, and I, I stayed up there probably for about two months and then came home. Um, and that was like a, that was like a crash course in reality because I had like only, you know, I'd only lived, you know, and I'd only lived in the countryside and then I actually also only lived in kind of like a suburb. So, you know, that was its own crash course, wow. you know, in a certain kind of reality. But, um, I, yeah, I, I remember guidance counselors used to really freak me out uh, because, you know, they would try to like almost like fear monger and scare and, 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 you know, scare tactic me into saying, well, no, I'm going to study this and I'm going to do this. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, and they would, I mean, you know, I was, I was always horrible at math and I had this one counselor that would be like, you know, if you, you know, if you really don't get better at math, you know, I don't know how you're going to make it through college. And, you know, I would tell her, I would say, because I was at least I was smart enough by this point to know this. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to art college where there is no math. And, and, and she was like, no, she was like, what college is there no math? And I said, well, no, there are colleges where there are no, where there is no math. And I was like, where this, yeah. and I was like, where this is going to have to be the last time that I'll ever have to study geometry or algebra or trigonometry. And, mm -hmm. and, you mm -hmm. know, so I had a very, like, I had a very self-assured, very defiant attitude, but, but I mean, half of that I think was, was naive, arrogant. And the other half was that I would read a lot. I would research a lot because I had this inner, I did have this inner anxiety of like, of like, okay, like I do not want to be like everybody else. How, how can I make sure that like, I'm able to survive because I also, one mm -hmm. thing about one one thing about when you hang out in the whole like anarchist kind of like crust punk scene as a teenager, you kind of like are like okay, so like this is cool now, but like I don't want to be like I I I already I already knew I didn't want to be like an older person like eating out of the dumpster, you know. 
like it's like I, I like I already like I already knew that like I didn't want to be like an older person, you know, you know, and like a shitty like living in like a shitty squat. And and you know, and and kudos yeah. and kudos to those people that, you know, that really embody those values for their entire lives. But like for me kind of being in that scene really young, I was like, okay, this is like cool, but like I like I kind of like this isn't like gonna be my vibe forever. At some point you've got to get a proper leash for your dog. Yeah, and just like, you know, I like never I mean, you know, it's like I was like I was never so into just like when we when we would crash at the different punk houses, like I was like never so into like, you know, sleeping on like the most disgusting couch you've like ever seen. And like <laughs> It's funny, I I I uh I, I'm with you. I love reading biographies. Cause biographies give you like proof. It's like proof of concept that when you learn about the way someone else has done something or has made a success in their own d definition of success, that that's infinitely inspiring because you, you take from it what works for you. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It seems like a lot of the most successful people in music, sure, but also film and art, people have come from these very DIY kind of uh, culture focused uh, backgrounds. Now, I'm not to say that, you know, there's, there's nothing conceited about that. There's nothing cynical about that. I, I think it's more to do with the facts of when you learn that people are what it's about, people is the value and learning to do things yourself. That is a very strong foundation on which to create something beautiful. No, it, I mean, yeah, it's, it, 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 I mean, I mean, there are people, I mean, artists, uh, someone like vaginal davis and um you know uh i mean i mean even you know great i mean even 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 the greats people people like you know james baldwin it's like you know i mean someone like james baldwin inspired me so much because they were this first example for me of like you know what it was to be a black expatriate um and and to kind of say no you know i actually don't agree with the values of my country i can go live somewhere else you know mm. that 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 mm. is a very that is a very radical idea because most people don't ever do that in their lives most people don't ever you know if they leave their hometown they move to the biggest city or they definitely never leave mm. their country so you know this idea that like you could form another life you know um outside of a place that that doesn't share your values with another place that might share more of your values um you know someone like, like great james baldwin which is obviously one of the masters one of the greats i mean that also for me was a very radical concept an idea it's it's inspiring isn't it and i, I was gonna say it's about being brave but i think even by thinking i'm gonna be brave that already puts up it starts, it starts putting up a little wall between you and what you want to do. Like really, like we're all capable of doing these next steps, you know, these breadcrumb trail. It's, it, it's like, if you want to, like working in music is a very difficult thing. And yes, it's, it's very much about like luck and, and timing. You can also do as much research. You can always do more research. For a long time, I had a, I had two years of thinking, oh my God, my band's finished. I have no idea what to do. And I stumbled upon a community radio station and that changed my life because that's what I do now. Yes, it was luck. And yes, it was like good timing. I could have also Googled, you know, London, uh, London music 
organizations. You know what I mean? So it's, it's always worth bearing in mind yeah. that we can always kind of do more to inform ourselves. Well, I mean, so, I mean, one of the careers that I'm really interested in and, and, and I could see myself because of my network being quite, quite, quite good at this. So, uh, excuse how controversial this sounds, but in about like 20, it was 2018 In 2018, um, <clears throat> Kanye West had hired me to be one of the people that was helping build his like private art library in Calabasas. And so I was doing yeah. other stuff. I was doing other stuff for him at that time, but this role of like, of being his like art book buyer is something that I was really good at. And so that's kind of like what I ended up doing for like five months. And so through wow. doing, so, so yeah, so through doing that, all of a sudden I found out about this whole entire kind of like rare art book network from Tokyo to Paris, to Chicago, to New York, to Los Angeles. And so um, I've really considered, honestly, uh, like, you know, obviously I'm going to, I'm in this grad program, but there, there was an antique book seminar that was like three weeks at this like school in Colorado. That's like one of the premier kind of like get your feet wet, like, you know, where you get to kind of be side by side and, and, and take all these courses, well, not courses, but all these seminars with like people who have been rare book dealers for years and I didn't, I didn't do it this summer, but I think I'm going to a hundred percent do it next summer because it's like, I thought about it with my network. If I really, really, really learned how to do this, I could definitely see myself as like a rare book dealer. Brilliant. I mean, that's the kind of thing that it doesn't exactly come to mind as like a job that someone does. <laughs> that's really, that's really cool. And I guess my point in thinking there is that there is, there are lots of these different kind of roles and careers that we, we don't even really necessarily know about until we hear of them or accidentally kind of stumble upon it. That's really yeah, great. I, that's really exciting. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, what I, do I think I'd be able to do it like full time? No. But like, you know, somehow having my career in art and music also self-finance this other hobby that then once it, you know, took off could finance itself. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like I, that, I mean, to me, that would be like so cool because I do love books. You know, I, I, I like I said, I, I, I mean, I, I grew up in libraries. I grew up, you know, kind of like, I mean, for reading for me was also this, this, this job of like a lot of self-affirmation. So yeah, I think it would be pretty, I think it'd be pretty, I mean, what I'm, I'm 40 in four years. So I really think it would be like really sexy decade to be like a book dealer in my forties. Big time, <laughs> big time. We, we've got five minutes left. I've got, I, I just want to mention postcards from Italia. Really excited about that EP. Holidays in the Sun just came out. Um, just, yeah, really excited about it. Just wanted to get out, get it out there. I mean, you must be really excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited just because like it's it's the last so it's the last batch of music that was created uh, with the body of work that was uh, Stay Close to Music last year and Broken Hearts and Beauty Sleep uh, the year before. So um, yeah, it's it's just like it's a like it's a fun EP, and um, you know sometimes sometimes an EP is just so nice because you're like okay, it's this last brushstroke. It's like this last little hurrah. And I'm really happy that this EP came together because all the songs, I mean, I think there's like one, there's like one kind of sad song in there, but 
all the rest of the songs are are, 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 are pretty like are pretty vibey and you know i don't know i i state, yeah. state the album that i released last year was very it was very melodic but it was very contemplative it was very slow um it was a lot of down tempo stuff so it, it it feels nice to kind of like release you know something that's like literally just for fun <laughs> yeah um, very up very up we got uh, just three minutes left thank you so much mickey i've really enjoyed this chat i hope you have too i've had a lot of fun thank you for it no i I've, I've had a lot of fun as well thank you so much for having me <laughs> with game pass oh. <laughs> i like to ask um you know i've always kind of fucked up at work i've always kind of dropped things when i've been working in service jobs i've always kind of misheard my boss and kind of done it too quickly and messed up do you have any uh i'm putting you on the spot here massively but do you have any kind of anecdotes of kind of messing up at work in your day job in the past i think i think the biggest thing that I've probably done um, <clears throat> that's the biggest mess up uh, in my career is probably uh, saying things I shouldn't have said on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think that, you know, I think, I think in the early years, just saying things I shouldn't have said on Twitter. <laughs> <clears throat> Brilliant. Mickey, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your trip and looking forward to seeing you. I'll come say hi next time we're in the same spot. Thank you so much. You have a wonderful day too, yeah? So there was Mickey Blanco here on 101 Part-Time Jobs. I really enjoyed that chat. Mickey was really brilliant. Great to learn about her history in anarchist punk. And something that we forget is how much the internet changed DIY music culture. So good to hear those stories. Her EP, Postcards from Italia, is out tomorrow on Transgressive. Go give it a listen. Give it a buy. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with Australia's The Paper Kites. See you then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.